Welcome back guys to another episode of Higher Being Society. I am your host Brie Renee and you already know this is where we get in our happy space, we get in our comfort zone and we open up and we have real conversations that can impact us and help us evolve into our highest versions of ourselves ultimately becoming higher beings. So, with that being said, today is a really special episode near and dear to my heart. Um, we are going to talk about gay marriages and gay couples conceiving and having kids. So, a little tidbit about me, and a few people may or may not know this, but I was raised by a lesbian couple. So, actually, I have three moms who is like a mom, a nana, um, and like I have a mom basically in straight terms it's like a mom a dad and a stepdad so i have my mom who birthed me and she was married well in a committed relationship with one woman um that didn't work out they were together about 20 years a little over um through that relationship i was conceived through artificial insemination which we'll get into a little bit later and um from that then um they were together a couple years and about when I was like middle school, they broke up and my mom got into another relationship with the woman that she's been with ever since. And I do look at all three of them like my moms and they all three raised me and all my parents. So uh, we're going to talk about a lot today, the statistics, um, stigmas and ignorance even in that and dealing with that growing up. Versus, you know, because I grew up in the 90s, so how it was like growing up from my from a child standpoint in the 90s, as well as to today's time, what you know that looks like in society, what I how I experience things, and we have very special guests too that we're going to bring on, um, two women that are amazing entrepreneurs in the city of Atlanta, and they are married and getting ready to conceive their first child together, and so we're just gonna get right into it. Y'all know I grew up in the 90s and of course back then gay being gay in itself was shunned upon. It wasn't something that people talked about and I definitely can see the difference in how my mother lived her life um, and how she still lives her life versus like how new age gay people live their life, right? And there's no right or wrong to it, but I think it's just based on society. So back then in the 90s, it wasn't cool and it wasn't cool to flaunt it, be proud. It wasn't okay to even talk about, right? So for me, my experience was, um, you know, kind of hard. When I was growing up as a kid in the 90s, people did not let their children stay in my house because my they knew my parents were gay. Um, parents would ask me very inappropriate questions like do you see your parents kissing and doing it or and it's like no no parent is gonna let them see their child doing it but for some reason back then they just thought gays were just these big old freaks like like make the stallion or something like you know what i'm saying like they was out here like oh you gay you gonna do it in front of your kids like no they still parents you know it was just a lot of ignorance I had to deal with growing up. It definitely hindered my, I feel like my identity a little bit. Um, in my early childhood, a lot of people felt like, oh, I don't want my kid coming over to your house or spending the night because either they're going to catch it or it's contagious. Like the gay is going to be like, oh, 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 Brie, you're going to grow up to be gay. You know, um, kids would tell me things that their parents would say. 
it was horrible, right? Um, so because of that, you as a kid, you're impressionable and you start to think that well, maybe this is weird or um, well, let me clarify. I never thought my mama loving or being in love with a woman was weird. I never thought it was weird because from seeing it from inside the house, it just looked like love and it was like normal to me because I never knew anything else. Um, but it wasn't until people started telling me that stuff was weird and that I would grow up to be gay that I thought it was hereditary. I thought like, okay, I know I got this little... In, ele in elementary school, I had crushes on boys or, oh my God, I'm Ariana Bow Wow. Like, they my boyfriend. You know, you all, we had all go through those like innocent crushes where I think it lets us know is our intro to sexuality, lets us know what we like and what we are attracted to. So from the very beginning, I was always attracted to guys. Um, but people started to tell me that I was going to be gay. And so around like six, fifth, sixth grade, I started to think, okay, yeah, I really like this boy. And I had that, by the time I think I had already had my first kiss, but I felt like I'm going to just eventually be gay. So it doesn't matter. And like, it, they say I'm, it's going to kick in. Like the gay was going to kick in eventually. Um, little do they know it never kicked in. And I went through a horrible experience um, in middle school. I came out, well, my homegirl, I told her about my parents being gay. And then she came out to me uh, about how she thought she might be gay. And then in the bathroom one day at school, she tried to kiss me. And she was like, you know, I'm attracted to you. You're my best friend at this point. And I feel like you're going to be gay, so we should be together. And she tried to kiss me. And I'm like, whoa. You know what I'm saying? I don't really... I fuck with you, just not like that. You know what I'm saying? So that was my first time really realizing like, no, this shit don't work like how they said they do. Like even this, even though we don't know it, we didn't know as much about it as we do now. I knew then like, this shit ain't hereditary. Like I don't got it in me, right? So that was one of the experiences that I went through where I think it struggled. I struggled with my identity because of society. Not because my parents, like my mom never told me I was going to be gay. She never pushed that on me. She, um, even now as an adult, I, I have joked, um, when I was single and dating guys in Atlanta, I would joke like, oh, mom, I wish I was just gay because I feel like it would just be so much easier, um, to do. To gay. Being society, a wellness brand and community supporting your evolution into the best version of yourself. Shop our one-of-a-kind waist trainer, rib lining making for a comfortable fit and durable enough for your toughest workouts. Please visit my website, thehigherbeingsociety.com. I told you I have two very special guests for this episode. We're about to bring them on now. They are both phenomenal women, entrepreneurs that are in the city of Atlanta. I've been following them and their journey separately. And then they got married um, and decided to have a child together. So I'm really excited to sit down with Annie and Seven Buffins. Okay, the Buffins. What's up, y'all? What up? <laughs> First of all, congratulations on a beautiful wedding. When I tell y'all I cry, if y'all need to go, y'all need to go watch their YouTube of their wedding and um, on their page, they have this beautiful video. I shed tears like I got married, okay, watching the video and I wasn't even at the wedding. But um, congratulations on that. First, let me let y'all introduce each other and who you are, what you guys do and stuff like that. 
Okay, cool. So um, my name is Annie Buffins. This is my wife, Seven Buffins. Um, like she just said, we got married last year. So we I don't know when you stop saying newlyweds, but I still feel like we're newlyweds. Um, <laughs> but we are actually entrepreneurs. We have a couple of different hats that we wear as far as what we do, but the most important thing is we do everything with health and fitness. So we help people, we're health coaches, we're herbal health coaches, and then we also own a uh, online boutique for fitness clothing as well. Yeah. And we also do YouTube. Um, just pretty much anything that we can do to add value to other people, that's what we do. <laughs> I love that. And, and this is my beautiful wife, of course. And this is Parker. Hey, Parker Paul. Hey, baby. Parker Buffin. Brewing in there. Yeah. So I'll see me like a little bit more quiet than normal today. I'm running off of like three hours of sleep. Um, we are in week, uh, going into week 39 from the IUI process. Um, so Parker is doing any time now. So just always wanted to be able to share our story, of course, to help anybody else in the light of like, What's going on with them and what's going on with their life? So we do always like in Herbalife, we have this thing called always being a yes because you never know like who you can help. So of course, um, I had actually sat down and had a conversation with Bree after I think we had already tried once or twice when me and you sat down at Peach Drop and mm-hmm. had a conversation. So when you asked me, I was like, Of course. Yeah. So <laughs> Still here, still present alert. But if y'all don't hear me talking as much today, that is why. Yeah, y'all. Okay, so seven is due. Like yesterday. So we I'm so grateful that Parker has not come yet because I definitely wanted to do this right before he got here. Um, so that maybe he can see this later and like see all the love and the intention that was put into his creation and you know, certain things that you guys want to share with the world, like you said, and educate about just his birth and his journey here. It's like, wow, Parker, you're going to do amazing things. And I'm excited. So first let's start from like, before y'all got married, before everything, how did you guys, and you can both tell me your journey. Um, when did either of you know you were gay? Um, I always feel like that's like one of those questions that's just like, when did I know? So I'll be very open and say I came out of the closet, closet to my family in the ninth grade. Um, But when I was in the sixth grade, you know, everybody started getting boyfriends and I didn't necessarily have that preference. Um, Like I didn't really have that whole like I'm super, you know, like sixth grade is when you start really like trying to like start getting like attracted to boys and people start really calling people like their boyfriends and stuff like that. So I always kind of had like a natural attraction to women and at first I didn't really understand it I wasn't necessarily trying to at that point because of course I was really young um but I just knew I felt a little bit differently than everybody else but I would say you know I was raised in a Christian household so it wasn't like always crossing my mind um and when I say a Christian household uh kind of like preachers kids we have a lot of family members that are pastors and stuff like that so it had kind of crossed my mind but also I wasn't just like in at the time it wasn't as out as it is now where kids feel comfortable like hey this is how i'm feeling um so i didn't really like go for it then so i would definitely say in middle school i kind of was just like i know that i'm not like boy crazy like the rest of my friends and i wasn't excited to lose my virginity like you know people started like having those conversations like oh i'm about to i wasn't like yeah yeah kind of like giving like uh, and um, at the time, I had a best friend, um, and you know I'll keep her name to herself because I don't know what her lifestyle is now. But 
she was actually the first she was a feminine girl she was actually the first person that ever like came on to me and her parents allowed her to be open about that she liked girls and Mm -hmm. this was in middle school and she was just like you know she had a girlfriend and stuff like that and it was very different for me and um that's actually when i in middle school i experienced like my first kiss with a girl so everybody was excited about their first kiss with a boy i was the complete opposite but completely coming out the closet i told my parents in high school um because i moved back to atlanta in kansas city being gay at the time was like no it was just like you didn't really see like studs out there you didn't really see like gay couples that was open about it like my dad had a a female friend that was gay and she dressed like a stud and then just like everybody ignored it and i was just kind of like so we're gonna ignore the fact that she's right (laughs) it's obvious but so ninth grade um i came out to my mom and my dad and we have completely separate stories because my parents was like as long as you're happy um it really wasn't much of a conversation i didn't really have to like go into depth i will say it took time for me to come out to my grandparents and stuff like that because like i said heavily christian household so i was kind of nervous um it's funny because my grandma's here now visiting she's so excited for parker okay Um, yay granny ninth grade was for me and i was cheerleading so it was very like hard at first because my best friend was like girls the rumor going around that you talk to girls and i'm like that my best friend chelsea she mm-hmm. don't care she knows she like we've been friends since i was um eight and she was like it's a rumor going around that you gay and i've been telling everybody my best friend is not gay and i was like chelsea i am gay all right <laughs> I like am gay. actually sis right i didn't really know how to bring up the conversation i don't want girls that truly practice to think like just because i'm gay you I'm like gay. all of them like, just because I like girls, I wanted every girl. So ninth grade is the start of mine. And you want to go first? I got to say that's the most annoying thing. About I, I was going to say, wait, before you go into your journey, because this is important. Right before you guys came on, I talked about the same. It Like, all, my journey was almost the same as yours, but the opposite. So I was told, because everybody knew my parents was gay in elementary school, oh, I... It, it was the 90s. We're all around the same age. So this is the 90s we're talking about. People didn't let their kids come over to my house or spend the night for playdates because they felt like it was contagious. Or or like my mama was over there recruiting little kids to be gay. Or I don't know what they thought. But I internally thought that I was going to be gay because people made it seem that way. And so, like you said, I mentioned like this, this, this intro to sexuality phase where you are starting to feel certain things, even though you aren't sexually active or doing anything you kind of know so i knew around the same age i liked omarion a little bow wow like the rest of the little girls but i told myself oh eventually my gay gonna kick in because everybody keep telling me this you know and it was around seventh grade um one of my best friends and i just told the story to the audience she came on and kissed me she came out to me and then kissed me in the bathroom like, you know, well, you're going to be gay, so let's just do it together. And I'm like, whoa, sis, I fuck with you. <laughs> like, I fuck with you, just not like that. So it's crazy that you went through, like, the same, it's the same timeline. So I think that's helpful to a lot of parents out there who have children who are coming out or maybe uh, expressing that to them at that middle school age. Because people think, like, if you aren't sexually active, that you don't know what you like. And I feel like we do know and they think like they be like, oh, you're going to grow out of it or you just don't know no better. But if your child is experiencing these feelings at that age, I think that's pretty like accurate based on both of our experiences. We both knew at that time what we liked and what we didn't. 
I think middle school is kind of like that. You know, it's everything, you know, especially if you're in public school, everything yeah. gets very, they start teaching um, sex education a lot in middle school and you start, you know, running it with different crowds and people are doing different things. And some kids are just exposed to sex earlier. Like I yeah. still had toys in middle school. I just didn't want to be like that open about it. Like, yeah, y'all, I still got Barbie dolls at the crib. Yeah. <laughs> that mannequin head is still set up so I can do right. my hair when I get home. And I was just like, you know, like, okay, but I, I do think that middle school kind of is that leeway of like, when to kind of start having those conversations and I will say one thing with coming out to my parents I never heard them say that they wouldn't accept a child that was gay and some parents do say that out loud and you never know at the time which is why I didn't care about telling my parents is because I never heard them say that like okay. you know so I didn't feel like if I did open up there was going to be any type of tension yeah. and it was really the other parents like my friend's parents that'd be like oh well she when she come over you need to sleep with your door open and i want to say the last thing i want is your daughter yeah. like, <laughs> you cannot say that but what, right. what about you go ahead annie <laughs> um uh, to be honest actually i was laughing at the middle school thing because that's pretty much when everything's starting to unravel like i felt like i was always attracted to girls and not attracted to um males like at all like not in the slightest way um <laughs> like, no. except for like in a friendly way like for real for real like when you know neighborhood kids go outside and they play whatever games we used to play i used to always want the masculine role of everything okay um, and of course wanted to be the dad. always wanted to be the dad always wanted to be like that was me like that was that was a normal thing for me i never was the mom never was the daughter like that just wasn't it yeah um and of course now looking i didn't know then but now looking back i'm like wow like i had a lot of things that were already like okay like just, signs just not understanding what it was yet mm -hmm. um because of being so young but when i got to middle school and everything started you know everyone's starting to date everyone's starting to kiss boys and everything like that um, I did a lot of things just to fit in. And I realized that I did not like what I was doing um, at all. And what actually was me being in my happiest was when I was talking to a girl. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But like you I tried to fight it a little bit and be like everybody else, but you was like, this don't feel right. Right, right. So I, I, I was literally, I had my first kiss in the eighth grade with a boy and I was like, yeah, I did that just to be cool. Like I did that because just to say that I did it so that I seemed like I was normal like everybody else, like everybody else. Because again, it was not a normalized thing then. Yeah. Um, and then in the ninth grade, I told my best friend, I was like, yeah, I definitely like girls and I just need to tell somebody. I was crying in the bathroom. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I was like, I just need to tell somebody I really like girls. And she was like, it's okay. I still love you. And she gave me a hug and that was the end of it. And then I just started dating girls from there yeah that's dope because um, that's pretty much how i knew when i knew and pretty much how my story went shout out to y'all for like recognizing that and then like walking in it regardless you know because a lot of people i feel like waste so much time trying to fight who they are and not come to terms with it. So that's really dope. When you were, when y'all were both at that age, um, when you had both accepted, like, okay, I like girls. Did your view of what you thought your family in the future would look like, like not as far as your mom and dad, but like for you, what did family look like to you once you realized you were gay? Um, I, we're gonna have completely separate answers. Yeah. I immediately came out the closet. Uh, my wife's story is a little bit different um, in which I really enjoy it. 
but I I didn't really wasn't thinking that far in the future, honestly. Um, so I did have a time at high school where I kind of got confused. Like Annie said, just like wanting to fit in and want to be out in the open because I had a girlfriend and her mom, she was older than me. And her mom was like, no, like we were completely different. Like she didn't come to my house, but she proposed to me in uh, my senior, I think it was like my senior year. Okay. Okay. And Annie with the, I mean, uh, seven with the good. Not right. You know what I'm saying? No, I'm just, just kidding. Um, right. <laughs> But she proposed to me my senior year, and at first I'm just like, oh my God, like, you know, she went about like, it was an expensive ring, and my mom was like, what the hell? And I didn't know, like, why she was responding like that, and it was because I was so young, but you know, like, me, I'm like... I love her. First of all, it's my senior year, y'all. This is the first time I've had a real orgasm. Like, I was just like, finally, like, had a real orgasm, because I had, well, she had gave me oral sex like she had, like I didn't know what it was before and then afterwards so I was really like yeah I'm gonna marry her yeah. I didn't even know like if gay people could get married or anything like that but my family what I always look at it is I always just wanted a, my family to be happy that's what I would say but I didn't necessarily see myself marrying a girl like I accepted the ring and then when I say I got confused is because like everybody had boyfriends and they was excited and they was looking forward to like this marriage with kids and blah, blah, blah. And of course I knew then that gay people could have kids, but it started getting real confusing to me because I'm just like, I don't know which way I'm supposed to be going with this. Like I want this big happy family and I want to go to college and I want to have a house and I want to pledge AKA and I want this and I want that. And it's just like, is being gay about to play a big factor into this? Like, is everybody, like, am I about to try and pledge AKA? And I went to Spelman and I did a walkthrough and I didn't see no open gay girls on campus. Like, yeah, everybody had a boyfriend. So it started to look a little bit confusing. So I would say I didn't necessarily at first see what my family would look like. Of course not what it looks like now. Yeah. Uh, so it was just very confusing at a time because the way things are so open now when you get to voice, and I'm so grateful for the world just being able to adapt and to grow. But then it was kind of confusing because you didn't get to understand what a successful gay family looked like. Or I didn't see successful gay marriage. Um, or I didn't really know. Or the people that were successfully married and gay, that was their friend. Like you really didn't know what was going on. So I didn't really understand what family would look like then. And I would definitely say that didn't change until in my now. It's so crazy that you say that because when I was younger, that's what I had to refer to. My mom, my mom was in um, a relationship with one woman um, who I refer to as my Nana to this day because um, they were together 20 years and in the middle of their relationship, they decided to conceive me through artificial insemination. And being that it was the 90s, I was told to tell everybody like when she would come pick me up from school or do parenting things, that's my aunt. I was told to tell everybody that's my aunt. And, and I just referred to her as Nana as a kid, um, as a loving name, pet name. But it, it was like not, it, I wasn't able to tell my friends or people. And my mom being that she was an attorney, uh, well, at the time she was a public defender in, a, in the city of Atlanta, you know, working in that environment, you couldn't talk about what, who you laying down and, you know, so it's so crazy because there was no representation. I never, and to this day, I've still never met any other person that has been conceived through artificial insemination. I think that's might be why I'm so obsessed with y'all and y'all kid. Cause I feel like it's another one. <laughs> 
But yeah, but it's like, it's not that that representation was not there. What about you, Annie? Without that representation, what did you think your family would be? Did you feel like, I know she mentioned you weren't coming at the moment. You hadn't came completely out. Did you feel like, ah, I'm going to just date or I'm always be single or what? So because I'm, first of all, uh, my family on both sides is Muslim. So I came from okay. a Muslim background on both sides of my family. Um, so that was like an absolute hell no. Like yeah. that just, that's not something. So when I say I came out, I mean like to friends. That's it. That was it. Like just to, so that I could date and then not be weird at school. That was it. No family members, not even close. Um, so uh -huh. because of that, every time that like we would hear like, like my mom would talk about somebody or, you know, I would hear people talk about uh, gay people in general, like my family members, it would be, you know, that person's going through a phase. That, mm. that person's going through a phase. That person's going through a phase. So I started to believe that for myself, too. Like, oh, okay, yeah, like, I'm just going through a phase. So I really did imagine myself with a husband in the future. I'm like, you know, this is high school I'm talking about. Yeah. And then after I got out of high school and I started to grow up a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I'm a <laughs> I don't, I don't see that. I don't see that at all. Um, I didn't know how, like, it was going to play out for me. Honestly, I can be completely honest and say that. Um, it was just kind of like, I'm just going to do what makes me happy until I figure it out. Yeah. Until I figure it out. Because right now, it's kind of like, you you grow up hearing so many different things. Like, I really believe that it was a phase. Yeah. I really believe, like, okay, I'm just going to do, I don't know when I'm going to stop. Because yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how that, now that I'm even saying it out loud, I'm like, how did you think you was just going to stop liking girls? Like, but I thought the same thing. I thought I was going through a phase of liking boys. Like, I thought my gay was going to kick in. That's because that's what people tell us. You know what I'm saying? We're going off of your kid. And, and we try to come, we try to form our own understanding of things based off the information that we're receiving. So we were both receiving like, oh, this is a phase if you're going through gay. Everybody telling me, well, you just going to be gay just because you came from a gay household. So I'm like, well, and for me, I didn't ever think I was going to get married either because I knew, well, I, I'm not attracted to girls and at the time, I kind of thought like in order to be successful, you couldn't have a man and a family because I only saw women being represented as housewives. And that didn't look real for me because I knew I had like a drive and a ambition to be successful. So I can under I totally relate with the whole phase thing and just going off of what society is telling you. I think that's why representation is so important now. And even when people are like, um, you know, back when we were growing up, it wasn't on TV. We didn't see gay couples on on television or in TV shows or even couples conceiving, um, gay couples conceiving on TV shows. But now I think it has opened up the conversation and people see that it's normal and it gives kids. Uh, I even still get excited when I see it on TV. Like, oh, my God, look, that's like a family like mine, you know. So I think that's important. How do you feel like... Um, well, when you guys came out to your family, I know seven, you talked about it, but any, how was your family when they, when you did, or have you came out to the, well, obviously you married, so they was at your wedding. So that's so funny you should say that because how I came out officially to my family was seven surprised me with the birthday dinner, um, with all of my family and my friends. It was like 50 people. I had some business partners there. I my had, family was there. Um, her family was there. My family was there. Her immediate family was there. My immediate family was there. And then, of course, my family and friends. I even had some of our business partners from out of town in. And she threw me this birthday dinner. 
but I had plans of proposing to her at what I thought was going to be a private dinner between me and her. So I have the ring in my pocket. I'm ready to go. And I walk into dinner and it's everybody and their mama. Oh, (laughs) so I'm like in my head, I'm like, am I still going to propose? Like my siblings are here. Like, am I going to like, I'm the oldest of seven kids too. So all of my siblings were there mm-hmm. and I, um, my mom was there. My stepdad was there. Like everybody was there. And I was just like, you know what? I don't care. Like, this is what I'm doing. So <laughs> my mom's going to have to find out like this. Right. So my mom found out when I got on one knee and proposed in front of her. So not only are you finding out my game, but now you want to know, I want to spend the rest of my life with this woman. <laughs> Because she thought it was a joke, like I said it jokingly before. Mm-hmm. Like I said it jokingly before, um, but she never took anything serious, and we never had any kind of serious conversation whatsoever. But that was when it was pretty serious, and her exact words to me were, "Am I in a twilight zone? Like is this really happening?" She kept saying that over and over again. People are crying. Like my friends, they all knew. Yeah. yeah. But other people are crying, and my mom is walking around, and she's like, "Bruh, is this real?" Like, <laughs> Oh, and it was, we've only had known each other for six months. Yeah, okay. she was really like, did this real life? And I was like, yeah, she was like, wow. <laughs> but of course, she loves Seven. Um, she loves me. She ain't have no choice. Cause, yeah, it's like, it is so, what it is. So that was that. But that is how I came out to my I love it. I was because that actually goes into my question. I was going to ask, like, what did your family say when not only like now, not only is this something I like and I like girls and I, you know, date them, but I want to spend my life with them and actually join in 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 a marriage because, like we like we said earlier, marriage wasn't even legal for um, couples prior to. So my mom actually was in several long term relationships, but those two that I mentioned for years before, she was allowed to actually commit. But once you guys made that decision, like obviously your your mom found out right then and there when you was on your knees but uh seven did you and you didn't know that she was going to propose prior to but when you had the discussion with your parents like what did they think about you spending your life and committing to this woman oh it wasn't no discussion for me on my end um i grew up a very outspoken child um Mm -hmm. i am a very blunt person i speak my mind i am very straightforward so my parents kind of already know like if you don't accept it, it is what it is. Like, yeah. Keep it pushing. And a lot of people not used to that, you know, but my grandmother and my dad and my mom, they raised me as a very strong child. Like we didn't do like the baby talk. It was very like adult conversations. Like, you know, like let's have a real life conversation and keep it moving. So, you know, as when Annie proposed, my mom and dad were there too. Um, so I would definitely say that, you know, my mom and dad have seen me through depression. They have seen me su- through suicidal. And this was probably the happiest six months they've ever seen me with. Mm. And, you know, being with Annie by my side. And so, of course, like when I was there and I said, yes, it wasn't even like a conversation that I had to have with them. My mom was already like in wedding planning mode, like, hey, what do you want to do? What color do you want to wear and stuff like that? And my dad was just happy for me, of course. He's like, oh, I got another daughter and things like that. So it wasn't necessarily, first of all, I never was like, I didn't know Annie was going to propose. Like, I'm there kind of shook. Like, maybe we should have had a dinner (laughs) with just us two because I'm very like, to like, just, she's my safe place. So I kind of like always like, like a long time with her and stuff like that. So, 
our parents both found out at the same time. It, I was more worried about Annie's side. Yeah. Um, because I already kind of knew the situation. And anytime we were around Annie's mom, she would always be like, you know, my girlfriend. And the first time I met her mom, she said that. And then later on at night, she was like, yeah, you know, I haven't really had the coming out conversation with my mom. And I'm like, well, why are you sitting around talking to your girlfriend while we in the car? Like, you should, yeah. you should give some type of disclaimer. So it wasn't really that um but i would say with my grandparents and my uncle actually came yesterday and those are both uh two of my family members that were both pastors that i was kind of like not knowing how they would feel about my decisions and about parker um and my uncle came yesterday and he was here for my brother's wedding and he just wanted me to know like you know that he's very proud of me and that he's very happy that i found annie and that no matter what my decisions were that they would always support me and that they love me regardless of anything. And I just think that that reassurance let me know that I made the right decision because people come around to your happiness, no matter what it looks like in the beginning. Like people have no choice at some point, but to yeah. accept it because they see that it's not a phase and it is a long-term commitment. And this is somebody that makes me happy. And this is somebody that I'm building success and wealth in a family with and like you can either accept it because I'm doing what makes me happy and you can see me thriving or you can kind of tell me that you don't accept it and it's just like okay well why wouldn't you want to accept my happiness so I'm going right. to keep it moving regardless. Yeah I love that I had to actually have a coming out conversation with my mom to force her to come out to me so um being again in the 90s it wasn't something that they were open about or talked about they hid it from each other they never had a conversation with me i learned from my sister when i was five years old she was on the phone she wasn't she's nine years older than me so she was like 14 15 and she was on the phone with her little boyfriend at the time and she's like yeah my mama gay and so I, when she got off the phone, I'm like, Tisa, what's gay? Like, what did I five? I'm like, what is it? She was like, you know how you got a mom and a nana? That's not normal. Most people got like a mom and a dad. So that was like my intro to, okay, this is different. And then it wasn't until I was probably like 15. I don't know. I think it was me wanting to know more about my dad because my mom had always told me, of course, my mom is, um, she's dark skinned, she's short. And so growing up, I didn't look like her. Like I got her face, but I'm tall and I'm light. So I'm like, what, why don't I look like you? So she used to tell me like, your dad is Middle Eastern. And I would ask her like, okay, well, where's my dad? Can I go visit? She would be like, oh, he and I ran or, you know, black people, they just be making up, you know, we don't like to talk about she was like he and I ran girl but it wasn't until I was 15 and I really wanted to know more about my father and where I came from I came to her I remember being in the bathroom with her and I was like mom I know you gay like when you gonna just tell me I'm like when you just gonna tell me you gay girl I know and she was she just bust out laughing like how Annie said her mom kind of thought it was a joke and like or how you joked around with it she was like girl you don't know what you're talking about like what make you think that and I'm like mom no uh, nobody else sleeps with a woman every night like you know what i'm saying even though they weren't super affectionate around me it's like i know that's not everybody already told me you know what i'm saying you gay just come out so we had that conversation i feel like that was the beginning of i would even say building our relationship because i felt like they she was lying to me i just felt like my life was a lie even though it didn't have much to do with me it was like be open to me tell me 
And I feel like kids can, I think as parents, they sometimes shelter your kid because you think like it's too early, it's too young. I think middle school, like you said, is a great time to start having the sexuality conversation with your kid to see like what they are into. But if you are gay, I definitely encourage parents out there to have that conversation with your kid because I don't think kids judge. I feel like it's the society, but the more we educate the kid, the earlier on, they're like, okay. Because when my sister said it, I didn't think nothing was wrong with it. It was like, oh, all right. And kept it moving, you know, but it was, I just was so, I had so much resentment towards my mom for, I felt like she was lying, but it, it was just withholding information or just never having that conversation. So I try not to be so emotional, but, um, the family thing was bigger to me, um, with the moment Annie proposed, I, like I said, I was more nervous for her because her whole family is Muslim. Um, so I would just always want Parker to walk in love and stuff like that because the, the moment she proposed, I'm just like, you know, well, I had to be prepared to be strong enough to for, for me to know that her whole life was about to change. And my, I'm okay with somebody not talking to me and is at a third, and my wife is a very much so like a family person. Um, so it was the happiest day of my life, and then the next day was kind of like the scariest day of my life because... The pictures went up, the videos went up, the video went viral, um, and I'm like, oh my God, her family's gonna find out, and what if her grandparents stop talking to her, or what if, because at the time, my whole family already knew, like grandparents, cousins, uncles, and I'm okay with whatever, and it was just scary, um, because I'm just like, okay, well, if somebody in her family stopped talking to her, like, how are we gonna deal with it? And like, what what's the next steps and what's the next process? And I think that like, you know, of course you get, you know, you get the opportunity to just be like, oh, I'm happy and stuff like that. But it's also very hard because it's like, these are people that I love and I want them in my life and things like that. So I think we'll be very open with Parker earlier um, so that he can always just walk in love and mm. him knowing and understanding like everybody's life won't look like yours. But it's important for you to love everybody regardless. Right. Um, and that is whether it's a same sex marriage or if it's somebody that's a different like type of religion or if it's somebody that he has a friend that's handicapped or whatever else. Like, I just want him to always be able to walk in love because when you lack in that or when you start feeling outcast and stuff like that, I really think it can change the direction of your life in general or how open you want to be or how you feel about yourself and things like that. So I definitely would say earlier um, so that he can know and understand um, what's going on and so that he can know and understand the differences in how to love and how not necessarily um, to love. And I would say not how not to because I wouldn't want him to look at anybody differently because their life is different than his. I don't think that's fair. Like I, and life isn't fair. But I wouldn't want him to think that he's better than anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want him to think that his love has to be like circumstantial on if you abide by this. And if you do that, then we're going to love you. Or if you, you know, if somebody at school says something about you, I want him to already be prepared because you get, like you said early on, you kind of had people saying things. And I want him to know, like, hey, your family loves you no matter what. Yeah. And of course, you look different than another family. But you're surrounded by so much love and so much confidence that early on you already know what you're walking into. Yeah, I think that's dope. Higher Being Society. 
a wellness brand and community, supporting your evolution into the best version of yourself. Shop our one-of-a-kind waist trainer, rib lining making for a comfortable fit and durable enough for your toughest workouts. Please visit my website, thehiringsociety.com. back i'm sitting down with annie and seven buffins and we're talking about their beautiful marriage and union and the welcoming of their new baby parker so really quick i want to give you guys some statistics right because people always talk about like gay marriage and we got all these opinions right but when it comes down to the numbers like i had to pull it because i i i recognize like growing up that my family was different but sometimes it was better than a lot of parents like it was better than a single family a single parent home because my mom had a partner you know to balance out the the obligations of raising a kid you know and i had more love in the house and i got to see pure genuine love so it definitely raised my expectations on what i think a healthy happy relationship is but you know some people think gay marriage like you said is just a phase so i want to give y'all some statistics so just one percent of gay marriages are yearly wait just one percent i wrote this so i wrote this pretty fast let me read my writing y'all uh, <laughs> um so roughly 1.1 million same-sex marriages have happened in the u.s according to the u.s census and that is since gay marriage was approved um also according to the american psychological association they say studies show that same-sex couples communicated better when it came to issues and are more likely to use their humor and affection in their interactions. So not only do they communicate it better, but they are more loving and have more joy in them. I think because they often have like some of the same struggles and they they're it's more of a team. I feel like um, for me growing up and and that really influenced my ability to see myself married to a man. Even though I knew I was always attracted to men, I thought, bless you, I thought the, um, I thought I wasn't going to get married because I saw these two women loving each other, being partners. It was no gender roles. It was like a team. Whatever needed to get done, we gonna get it done. And I had that expectation of that's what love is. Like love is helping each other. It ain't about what well, men do this and women do that. So I thought. I'm never going to find a man that's going to agree with that. So I'm just probably not going to get married. So it raised my standard and bar so high of love that it kind of made me seem like it made it seem unrealistic. And John Gottman, who is a scientist, he says when it comes to emotions, um, they think these couples who are same sex couples, they operate with very different principles than straight couples. Straight couples have more uh, and, and have a lot more to learn from gay and lesbian couples. So y'all need to be watching this and learning okay um with that being said you know let's get into parker a little bit about this journey as parents you know not only is like y'all showcasing your love and coming together in a union that's a milestone in itself but giving birth and bringing life into this world is another huge milestone and often shunned upon you know in this situation i know growing up my mom was the first uh gay couple in the city 
city of Atlanta that was even allowed to go through artificial insemination. At the time, it was only, yeah, it was only open to couples of same sex who like were having trouble conceiving um, or one of them couldn't. So that it was in the, it was like 88, 89 when they were allowed to be one of the first couples at the Women's Comprehensive Health Center in Atlanta. Um, so shout out to y'all for being pioneers. But um it wasn't it wasn't allowed you know it was it was looked at like no and 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 it was like such a scientific i used to call it a scientific experiment like you know because my mama used to be like oh i didn't make no mistakes and i'm like yeah girl like like you know don't don't bring no mistakes no babies up in my house i didn't have no mistakes it's like because you couldn't sis you had to go through this process <laughs> But um, tell us a little bit about how that journey was for y'all. Like, what made y'all decide? Did y'all know already going into it once y'all got together? Like, hey, we want to have kids. And how did you guys explore the options? Um, you can go, but I had to double back real quick, Brie, while you try to skip over your standards for love. Okay. Um, so you say pretty happy now, sis. So I am. I am. Keeping, yeah, keeping those uh, standards. I just wanted to go back to that. Keeping those standards of what you've seen at home is what made your standards to what you live in in yeah. now. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's definitely, like you said, that what you see at home piece mm -hmm. is... You know, like what you go out and look for in your relationships and what yeah. you went out looking for a healthy, thriving, something that's not gender roles. And you already had high expectations right. versus sometimes when you see at home, it's a lack of love or anything else or whatever people may have an opinion on that. Or maybe it's somebody that's abusive in a household. That's right. what you go out searching for. Um, but I'll let you talk about the journey of Parker. Yeah. Um, sure. So. Oh, first of all, when I met Seven, um, probably within like two weeks, I knew for a fact that her being a mother was the biggest thing. I learned that about her very early on. Like after two weeks of knowing her, I knew that her being a mother was the most important thing to her. She loved kids. She wanted to be a mother really bad. Um, and she wanted to be a great mother at that. And she talked about it on different platforms. She talked about it in person. You could tell when she interacted with children. Like that was a thing. Like if you could tell five things about her, like that would be one of the five things that, I'm sure that anybody who knows her would say, like seriously. And so I knew that that was a thing, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? That that was something that was really important to her. Um, and for me, uh, I always wanted a big family, but I didn't know how it was gonna have a big family because I never actually wanted to be pregnant. Okay. <laughs> so I, I always want, I'm, like I said, I'm the oldest of seven kids um, and I have a whole lot of cousins. Like a big family is always a really big goal of mine. Then I found somebody who also wanted to have a, well, I won't say that you wanted to have a big family. I think she just wanted to be a mother. You put mm -hmm. the big family. I put the vision. You put the big in front of the. Yeah, I put the big in there. In front, she put the big in front of the family. Yeah. Right? And I'm like, family, and she put big. <laughs> but, um, and so I started to do research. She had already, um, uh, knew a lot about like the different ways that we could start and create our future family. Um, and I started to do research and she started to educate me on different things and different options. Um, and that's when we decided that I think it was about maybe like a year and a half into our first appointment um, that we went. That very yeah. first appointment was like a year and a half or am I tripping? It was before we were married. Um, yeah, it was like, yeah. So uh, we went to that March first of 2019. Okay. Yes, I was right. No, March 2020. It was some bad year. Yes. But uh, we went, and I, I got to ask a lot of questions to the uh, the 
doctors at the fertility clinic and I was just asking like all these different questions because this was so new to me um I didn't really know anything about it and that's when I was like okay this is what we're going to do um and of course you know it's not like a guaranteed thing every time that we go up there whatever the different times that we tried because we did have three trials before getting our yes for Parker um wait when you say trials what is the name of that process just for people who don't know Oh, an IUI cycle is what we were doing every single time that we went up there. Are these different? In 2020, we did uh, IUI cycle in May. No, March. March. March, July, and December. Okay. Um, and November. And in, in November. November. Yeah. And um, yeah. So to, to answer your question on that, but um, we did that instead of anything else because that's just what we were recommended to do. Um, and on that third time, we were make, recommended to do one more cycle, and we got our yes. <laughs> what does the um, IUI cycle look like? Walk us through that. Um, okay, so there's a different, a lot of different ways that you can get pregnant. Okay, I don't know. Yeah. Um, from the front, from the back, no, I'm just playing. From the, front, from the side, you know, from the other side. Um, so one thing that I didn't want to do personally, and which I do not knock anybody, like y'all, y'all heard us say, we open, we love everybody. Yeah. I don't care what you do, like you know, it's your business. Whatever works best for you. Right. So you know, of course, you can have sex with a man, right? You know, you can go back to your relationship, but that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, if you know, in the event that. I had sex with a man, it wouldn't be just because I wouldn't lay down and get pregnant. Uh, you know, that that wouldn't be what it, what it was. So I say that because a lot of people be like, oh, well, you need a man. And it gets very tricky when just, you know, just discussing your options. And I say that up front because IUI is a process where you get to pick your donor um, and you do a process that is kind of, it almost feels like getting a pap smear yeah. where the baby is artificially inseminated and it's inseminated because it's, it says artificial because it means you're basically not having sex with the man for the sperm to be inserted inside. Um, it's where the sperm is inserted inside of you and you have the percentage of getting pregnant just like you do as if you had sex. Right. So it's the same percentage. The sperm goes through the same process. It's just going through it with a tool instead of with a. You know what I'm saying? So that's what the process looks like. And so before you go in, they, of course, like monitor your cycle. And we actually have a YouTube on it. Um, it's called our YouTube is called Being the Buffins. And it's a whole question, IUI question and answer. But go check go it out. In, <laughs> check it out. Um, you go in and you have to some people do it on hormones, depending on your body. Um, and you the doctor assesses you and you go in for it weeks back to back and then they decide once you're ovulating to insert the sperm and then you get to be able to have a two-week wait period which is probably the most <laughs> stressful two weeks of your life just like if you took a pregnancy test um to start so it's kind of just like uh educating yourself on it is simple that's the first thing <laughs> it's very simple just to start getting a basic um education on it but when she says we have failed cycles it's like if you go to the bathroom and you're looking to get pregnant 
And your period comes. Or your period comes. Yeah. Um, so we had two cycles that weren't successful. And it's, again, depending on your body and everything else. That's just like saying if every time you have sex, you'll get pregnant. Right. So we had two cycles that weren't successful. And then the last one in November was successful. Was it expensive? I know back then my mom said it was a little bit more expensive than it is now. Because she went through the exact same process as you guys. And it took her two times as well. Um, like two two failed temp attempts and I was on the third. So maybe the third time is the, is the charm. Huh? <laughs> but what, how did that look expense wise? Was that expensive? Um, so I guess I wouldn't say expensive. Um, just because I feel like it's worth every dollar times 10. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I wouldn't use that word, but I will say is that cheap. it definitely ain't cheap. <laughs> And you pay for each time, successful or not. Yeah, you do. So what did that... It also depends, sorry, it also depends on, you know, um, what they're recommending for you. Because it's kind of like they're learning your body. They're learning, right. through each cycle, they're learning, okay, how does her body react to these hormones? Okay, how does her body, um, do we need to double the dose on the hormones? And all of that stuff costs money. So that also plays a huge part in it because each time the price was different for us because the first time it's like they're learning, okay, let's try this Um, because this is what typically, you know, they're paying attention to all the different things that they're paying attention to. And then you pay one price. And then, of course, the the actual um, insemination it's like four thousand dollars. Yeah. So that for that actual pro that part of the process, not that in part that part of that process. one simple not any doctor's visits, not um any medication, not any trigger shots, not any anything. And like I said, I'm using these terms, um, like things like trigger shots. There's a lot that goes into it. I'm gonna just say that. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into it that I didn't even know about. I'm learning like, wait, we got to do what by what day? Oh, and then you also have to get the sperm here, right? Mm. So we have to. That also costs money. And sperm is not cheap. cheap. For one time, it's like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and that's just going through the different like, of course, like you know, like learning and stuff like that because people just like, oh, you just had somebody nut in the cup. And it's just like, you know, nah, fam. it's not that it's not that it's not that it's not that, you know, and that's why I said not judging if somebody does do that. I'm not I'm not sure how effective it is, but um, you still pay for like the sperm, you pay for the hormones, you pay for the visits afterwards, you pay for a lot. So it is a lot that goes into the whole for sure so okay you guys meet you guys are falling in love you get engaged within six months annie you knew you wanted a fan a big family you knew she wanted to be a mom so that seems like a no-brainer on who's going to carry right you go through the first process with iui and then it didn't work did you tell me walk me through like how that felt emotionally when you guys went through maybe once or twice and it wasn't taking an annie did you ever feel like all right, let me see if, if, if I should carry it. What did that feel like emotionally-wise for you guys? Um, so the first time was very, very emotional because we had never been through that before, of course. We didn't know what to expect. And in our heads, we're super positive people, first of all. We manifest everything. We're very, very positive. Like our outlook is just like perspective is always worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, best case scenario. scenario. Yeah, you know what I mean? So... We're like, yeah, like, this is great. Like, we're just really, really pumped up about the fact that we're going to be parents. She's going to be pregnant. Like, and then 
The first time um, that this, the first IUI cycle was very, was the most emotional, I'll say, for me personally, um, because I also didn't know how to support her. Mm. So it's like, I'm trying to make sure she's good, plus make sure I'm good. And it was just like a lot in general when we got that failed uh, pregnancy test. So that's number one. So I will say like on a scale of one to 10, it was like a 15. Like it was, it was really, really emotional. A lot of tears, a lot of sobbing, a lot of hugs, a lot of us needing to love each other just a little bit more. Um, But we pushed through it. And it also was kind of like hard, I feel like too. And I'll just say, I feel like it was hard for Seven to be like, okay, I'm ready to go again because Mm -hmm. it was discouraging. Um, But I just was like super, super, super positive still. Me trying to be super positive to her. Like, no, we're going to do this again. It just, you know, God's timing is the best timing. It wasn't our time yet. Um, It just wasn't our time yet. This just is. It, it, we're, this is preparing us to be even better parents. This is preparing us for to be even better people so that when the time does come, you know, we're going to be great for it. So um, that was the first time. Second time was also emotional because, again, super positive. We're yeah. like, this time is different. This is it. This is it. They switched up the hormones a little bit. We did it a little different this time. Yeah. They're confident at the doctor's office. But, of course, they were still telling us, like, you know, there is a percentage that it's not going to happen. But they're like, no, this is the time at the same time. So they're giving us the positivity that we need. Um, and baby, I'll let you answer on how you felt that second time. After that second time. Second time was heartbreaking again because it's just like so positive. I'm like, this is the time. And this is kind of like when the teammate part comes in because at the time I didn't, like I needed so much for my wife at the time. I needed a best friend. I needed my wife. I needed a partner because... Um, I personally like you know April Fool's Day come and people be joking that they're pregnant and I never knew like why people would like be online and be posting and be like don't this to a joke and stuff like that and at first I'm like oh it's not you know and then like when I started going through the process I'm like wow so this is why people say you know don't even joke about fertility and stuff like that because each time I'm like going in and I'm like oh well, the doctor telling me I'm young I'm fertile and that second time it like hit like a brick because I'm like, wow, like not again. And I had to like completely like have Annie like pick me up and be like, babe, it's okay. And that's why you seen a long time frame in between because at first it was like we tried and it was um, in March. Then we went back right again. It was just like, okay, let's try again after, you know, but then that next time I was just like, I need some time. Like, yeah. I need some time before we try again. I'm not ready. Like, you know, I was crying. Um, and it was crazy because I was having a very successful time in my business. But mm-hmm. like, personally, I'm like, I want a baby. And then everybody around me started getting pregnant. Oh. Um, <laughs> so it was like heartbreaking at the same time because i'm just like dang and there was some people that's just like y'all know if i'm keeping the baby and i'm like it was like hard for me to still be able to have conversation with friends like that because it's just like well i'm trying to have a baby and you get pregnant and i'm trying to get pregnant and it's just like we weren't telling people that we were trying because it was just something that was so personal yeah so the third time was 10 times more emotional because um so funny the uh pregnant i took the pregnancy test and andy's just like you know we're gonna wait and i'm like well i don't want to wait and my period possibly come like so what are we gonna do and i'm like let's just take the test they gave us a test date we waited until the test date 
Um, and, you know, just having blind faith. Uh, we launched Parker by Peyton, which is our line for our children, uh, athletic line for our children, for them if they decide to get up and be entrepreneurs or whatever they want to be, they already have the income for it or they already can just take over the business. And we were launching it that um, <laughs> like two days, like the next day. And that was the first, that was the day we could take the pregnancy test. So we took the test and the three minutes was up on my timer and I throw the box to the trash can and I'm just like, whatever. Cause the test came up and all I could see was negative. It looked like. And so Annie's like, why you throw the box? And I'm like, cause the timer went off and I didn't see two lines. And then I looked very closely and cause I'm about to throw it in the trash and I see this little faint line and I'm just like, oh my God. I break out into tears because I'm just like, we've been trying and trying and trying. And I finally get this faint line that the pregnancy test is positive. And I was literally about to give up hope in that second. Like you could see me breaking down and you could already see me about to cry. She's trying to get off the toilet because we in the bathroom. We're really best friends. We do everything together. She's trying to get off I'm the like toilet. I'm rushing off the toilet. I'm like, oh my God. And then I finally see this faint line. And she's like, what's wrong? Because I'm crying. I'm like, it's a faint line. It's a faint line. So very emotional all three times. But I would definitely say the first time hit very hard. Yeah. And to answer your question about if I ever um, was like, okay, I'm going to just carry. Like, let's just me try it. Like, I never thought that. And I, no one's ever asked me that before either. So that's a really good question. <laughs> but I never thought that. So I was sitting here thinking about, like, why did I never say that? And I think the reason why is because it wasn't just us, like, starting a family. Like, that wasn't just it. Like, that wasn't the, the biggest goal. You know what I mean? That, I would not mean not say that. That wasn't the only goal. Okay. So I wanted to be pregnant. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wanted her to have that. It wasn't just that. It was her going through the entire process. She wanted to carry a baby. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like that. So I just was just super positive. Like there was nothing. All I could do was be in the support because if I was like, oh, I'm going to just carry the baby. That's not necessary. Not saying that she doesn't want that, but that's not what she, that wasn't her goal. She right. wanted to carry the baby. She wanted to be pregnant. She wanted to brew this baby that she's brewing now for nine months, 10 months. And she wants to be in labor. Like she wanted that for herself. I never wanted that. So I wanted to make sure that no matter what happened that's why i said that the expense didn't matter to me i don't care what i had to do i was gonna work my ass off to make sure that she could try as many times as she wanted to try because that was what was important to her Aww. so um i just wanted to i was really sitting here like why didn't i never say that am i a bad person <laughs> am i selfish because like, i didn't want to ruin my six pack but and i realized like that was really it it was way deeper than us just having a family but she wanted to genuinely be pregnant and that's beautiful because that just shows a testament to like how devoted as a wife you are to making sure your wife is happy and reaches you know how her goals and wishes that's important that's crazy because my my mom carried me and that wasn't she didn't really want to carry she didn't really like her experience was like she's more like you annie like more of i would say the more masculine one in, in, in both of her relationships she was the more dominant one but my nana at the time really really wanted a family wanted a kid and my nana at the time had suggested well we only knew she well them they were like we only know my nana's brother so she was like well i can't you know have my brother's child so why don't you do it and my mama was like well if you want a kid that bad we can do it but it damn sure ain't gonna be him it ain't gonna be you know so she so she was People like automatically think that that's like they're like oh you got this sperm from annie's brother yeah or something 
Um, but I definitely will be open because I, you know, it's an open platform, and I'm glad like that you're willing to share so that people can understand that you can be gay and have a child, and your child's not gay, and they can be successful. Yeah. You know? Um, the reason for me wanting to carry is because, like I said, after high school, I got really confused about what I wanted, so I started trying to like fake have a boyfriend. Um, going out, I had you know somebody I was interacting with. There was a guy at the time and super just all, you know, I wasn't on birth control because of the fact that I was like mainly talking to girls. And this was somebody now that I was like sneaking and talking to almost because it was just like my friends know that I'm gay, but out to everybody else, I don't know what I want. And um, this drunk nights, high college. Um, so me and a guy that I was very close to, and it's funny that Emmy say that, because like I look at the guys like I hang out with like it's my homeboy. So it was like it really felt like I was being like sexual, but like with my homeboy, which is weird, you know. But, yeah. Um, got pregnant, um, freshman in college, and the first thing you know that people say is like you're young, you're in college, you're not like I started getting so many uh opinions um on what to do what not to do and that the best thing to do is to get an abortion mm. um his mom said it she called me over you know just like she called me it was just because he was supposed to be having this whole basketball career i'm trying to be pursue being an attorney at the time and everybody was just like oh well you know it makes it people make it seem like if you have a baby you can't have it all it's right. like uh, if you have a child young, and I say young is me being in college, they just like, you can't be successful, have a baby, this, that, and the third. So I'm thinking, okay, if I have a child right now, it's going to ruin my life. That's how everybody was making it seem. And that's why I tell so many young girls now, like, you know, just be careful with your decisions because nobody ever talks about the trauma of after abortion. Um, it made me very suicidal. Um, I used to have dreams about like what it would be like if I was a mom. Like I used to be so nervous to be around kids. I cried every Mother's Day. I cried every day afterwards and then still trying to keep a face up to everybody else that like I was good, but I was really like going through it. I couldn't hold a baby. Um, I couldn't be around pregnant women. I didn't want to go to baby showers because I had regretted so much the decision I made because in my dream that I had, I was actually a successful parent. Yeah. Like I had the baby and everything was fine and I was able to have a career and everything else. So that really um, it was very hard. And I actually talked about it on my social media before because everybody will be like, girl, go get an abortion. And they never really tell you, like, for the people that's emotionally attached, how it can affect you. And ever since then, I knew like I felt like it was like the worst decision I ever made in my life. I would definitely say that it was my biggest regret and I never regret anything. And so when I met Annie, I felt open about telling her about it. Cause for a long time, I also thought like I couldn't tell anybody I had an abortion. Like, what do I tell people? And I'm at the time I'm like, got a girlfriend now. How do I tell you I had an abortion before? And it, it was a lot. So being that adamant about wanting to carry and being able to tell Annie the exact reasons why and how I felt like women can't have it all. Like a child doesn't ruin your life. And you know, people put that on people. Oh, she a rapper, she had get pregnant, her rap career yeah. over. Do you, you get pregnant, this career over. You can't do that. Oh my God. I, remember when Cardi got pregnant, everybody like, I can't believe she ruined her Why career. Why would you do that? Or even Right, and it's not that. Like, that's do that. definitely, that's yeah. definitely where the carrying part came in at. So thank you for always making sure that you're reading for me.
<laughs> for my mom, once she decided, okay, we definitely go on the artificial insemination route. Um, I asked her like, what were her requirements for finding my father? And for her, she was like, she's short. She like your height seven. So she was like, and I was supposed to be a boy. Just like back then they were testing out whether you could pull the sperm or not. So she went into it thinking I'm going to have a son. So with that, she, sorry, bust that bubble. But as she went into it, she would have told like I'm gonna have a son so for her son for her son's father she wanted him to be tall she wanted him to be able to play basketball or some type of sport he definitely had to be handsome and intelligent so um during the I have my dad's profile it doesn't have his legal name on there they had a picture of him and it has all his medical background um history on both sides of his families and it had very in-depth questions um like, what was his hobbies? What was he doing? So at the time, my father was a grad student at Georgia Tech. He uh, Middle Eastern American. So he was born in the Middle East, but lived in America. And his whole family was Middle Eastern on both sides. And when he was in grad school, trying to pay for grad school, you know what I'm saying? So he was obviously very smart at the time. And he was like 6'3", I think it's my dad's height. And olive colored skin, you know, Middle Eastern features and all that. So my mom was like, okay. Oh, and my mom had saw that, that it was a black woman that had had a child by him and a white woman that had had a child by him previous to me being born. So she got to see um, their babies and she was like, they were both healthy, happy. The parents were happy with their decisions. So she was like, all right, this is the dad for a brief. But at the time I was supposed to be a boy named Sebastian. Didn't work out. <laughs> Here I am, a girl named Sabrina. Okay, so I want to know what was you guys' process um, with like picking the father? What were your basic requirements? And like, did you go? You obviously you said went through the like the sperm donor, um, or did you take somebody with you? Like, hey, we want to use your sperm. Can you go through this process with us? We didn't want any of our friends to go through that process. Okay. Um, <laughs> The reason being is because it's still an emotional attachment. You know that that's your child. Yeah. Um, and um, now, I don't know if it's just a requirement for Georgia, but what we have found is that you have some, depending on the doctor and stuff that you're using and the sperm bank that you want to go through. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the sperm bank that you want to go through, you have to like have them go through like a psych evaluation, yep. and have to sign over their legal rights in front of an attorney. It's a lot emotionally. Mm -hmm. So we exnate that process out as soon as we found out like what that process looked like. Because of course we have friends that's just like, you know, I really support y'all wanting to have kids. And if y'all ever need anything or if y'all wanted to go that route, just let us know. Like, and you know, it was kind of like, we both was like from the beginning, like, Nah, not for y'all. Yeah. Not for us. No, it definitely wasn't for us. Yeah. Um. So we did choose the same exact thing that your parents did, and we uh, actually it was a what's it called a um, donor bank in a sperm donor bank in California. Um, everything was online, so we spent hours yeah. every day. Yeah. Hour, no hours weeks in a row um <laughs> looking on here like it was like a part of like on my planner every day like spend time looking for you know and then I, I just got to the point where i didn't want to stress about it so we just had our no matter what um so we wanted our children because we want to use the same donor for all kids um so that big family so Aww. for all the free for all kids so um we wanted our donor to have 
like you said, like the olive skin, that was something that was important to us so that we were having a children that looked uh, kind of close to my ethnicity as well. Um, so we chose Middle Eastern too. And oh, it's amazing there. <laughs> okay, go. Just crazy. And we looked through all the medical records. That was another thing. That was a no matter what for us, just making sure that everything was pretty clean on both sides of the family. So that was something that we spent a lot of time with. That was like a big no matter what for us. We did like look at the essays and the hobbies and the, voice, their, notes. the voice notes and all. Oh, that. they have voice notes now? Look at technology. They have voice, like, of them answering the questions. So okay. it's typed out and you can hear them actually answering the questions <gasps> too. Um, so which is which is crazy. Yeah. But those are the things that were just important to us. You know, the medical records and um because at the end of the day, it's us who's gonna be loving the child, no matter if it was whatever race, whatever you know what I mean? Like yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really matter to us. So that I think that was pretty much our no matter what's when we were on there. I, I had to tell seven I'm like, babe, get off of there, get off the site. It was obsessive. Get off the site now. This is just what we're doing. Yeah. Okay? We have our no matter what. We're not gonna stress about um that aspect of things. Just more so focus on me taking care of her and then preparing to take care of Parker and the other four kids that are to come. Ooh, we're gonna be five. Five and people think like it's glad I'm glad that your parents are kind of open with you about picking a donor and stuff like that because people think that you automatically go online and be like I want a mixed baby like, yeah no. literally been a thing that's came to my DM like oh I know I know y'all going to hell because y'all just want a mixed baby and it's just like first of all is not the case yeah um, that no, don't be um, my goal is because I'm solely caring and the first time we're not going through IVF so to explain the difference. IVF will be if I took Annie's eggs, this will be possible. I could take Annie's eggs, mix it with the donor, and then they would put the the embryo inside of me. Yeah. And then the baby would look like Annie in the donor. But um, that wasn't the process that we weren't going to use if we didn't have to. Because IVF, you stay on medicine for longer. It's more expensive and it's more hormones and it's more to put your body through a lot of that's when you go through the process and you've seen people putting their pregnancy tests and it's a heart with all the shots that they've taken mm -hmm. that's IVF a lot of the times mm. um, so we didn't want people to think like oh and it, it really doesn't matter what people think but that whole like oh you want to make baby and that's sometimes what people want and that if that's what your genuine one is then that's cool so Annie actually went through her grandparents um, and just ask like you know okay what all ethnicity am I like you know how do I come down because when I see Annie's grandma I'm like your grandma's white so <laughs> what what like you know like where where did like where did all this happen and stuff like that and my family is black and Native American and um so it was just kind of like okay well I know for sure not saying that like I care but like I still wanted Annie to feel like you know, the child was to look like her as well. Like, it's just a great mixture of both of us. So the baby picture of our donor actually looks just like a baby picture of Annie. Aww. And that was a big deciding factor for me because, of course, the goal for me was to carry. But I also want my child to have the same characteristics. And you can't see my wife now, but, like, I love her eyebrows and, like, her facial features and stuff like that. So we asked her grandmother about different ethnicities and things like that. So that's kind of, like, why we chose Middle Eastern because that's, like, what her family actually is okay okay do okay we cousins annie i need know that like <laughs> but and I, I think it really like when people ask me like i think middle eastern people see it 
they see me and they're like, oh, you're a Middle Eastern or Indian. What are you? They can see my features, my nose and stuff. But if people ask me, I just be like, I'm black because I was raised by black women. And, you know, in the South, like that's my experience. So I don't think it really matters. You know, I think like you said, a lot of people just put the emphasis on it themselves. I've never been that type of person. You know, people see your hair like your natural hair and they'd be like, what you mix with? Yeah. Be like, I'm because literally somebody stopped me and Annie in the store. And she was like, oh, where was it at Savannah? She was like, oh, y'all can't just be black. And I said, what does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? So, of course, like, I always just identify with being black. And yeah. I still, of course, want to educate Parker. We want to educate him in everything that he will be. And But if he just wants to say that he's black, then that's just, you know, that's what it is. He's just black. What were some of you guys' concerns um, about just like even, you know, raising them a certain way and the, the going through? And I know you guys, you guys sat down with me about a year ago now and asked me all these questions about it. But some of those questions take us back through because obviously they weren't there. And people have those same questions and concerns. What were some of your um, concerns about conceiving or bringing a life into this world as, you know, a, a lesbian couple? personally think bringing a life into this world as a straight couple is like <laughs> nerve-wracking as it is right? yeah i think it's more so like for me like i'm i'm at every day you know we don't know when parker's coming every day i'm just anxious to be a parent in general so already that's that's enough anxiety right there and now it's like okay um i'm about to raise not just parker but multiple children with another woman yeah. and to me i feel like and i might be biased i feel like it Women are powerful. We're intelligent. Yeah. We're smart. We're powerful. We're strong. Like, and I feel like having two of us is going to be crazy. Like, it, it's not even really a concern to me. I just think that one thing that we've um, talked about, and I think we kind of talked about it already, but is having those open conversations from the jump um, about everything, <laughs> about sexuality, about how, you know the rest of the world, about us, about handicapped people about everything that we could possibly have conversations about i don't want i think that that's going to eliminate like any concerns personally that i have because i feel like if we go into parenthood being confident we're going to raise confident children and we're going to have a confident family in general so that we don't even have to have concerns but that's my personal opinion um on it <laughs> i'm like a really like a like um just a a positive person so like to think of because I don't really think I have concerns because I'm like a question regardless yeah like I have, but but I will say that I do have questions of course um like just the simple things like I think y'all talked about it when you when y'all were talking at peach drop about like what age and you kind of went over that you know um but what age did you say did your parents say hey this is what's going on um how did you feel like what is if there's anything that you wish they would have done differently mm -hmm. like what would you have wanted them to do what would you what would have been best for you as a child so that you know things were smoother for you or easier at school or whatever the case may be well i personally remember um i had read i think the thing that freaked me out is i had read a blog of course you can read anything on the internet right <laughs> i what you're so kind i had read a blog of like all these kids that hated their parents because they didn't know mm, their fathers they were mm. IUI babies they didn't know their fathers and um what I when I sat down I was so excited I don't even know y'all don't even know how me and Brie got on the conversation 
But when you told me, I was so excited because I'm like, wow, you're so young, so successful, so strong, so, so independent, like confident. And I wouldn't have second guess of what your lifestyle looked like at home. I would just think that you had like a very stable upbringing. Like that's yeah. Would, that's how I would think it would came, come off. So I would definitely, and you always brag on your parents. I'm not sure if you know that, but on social media, you always brag on your parents. So I'm just mm -hmm. like, okay, well, this is what it looks like. So when you were open to sit down with me, those were kind of my questions because I'm like, okay, well, why did these kids have all of these thoughts towards their parents? And what I've grown to realize is what my question was is just like, okay, well, will Parker be mad that he doesn't have a father, right? And that was kind of like my question. And you kind of just went more so, it wasn't like you even cared about the conversation of father or not. It was just that you wanted your parents to be more honest with you. So I walked away so happy to tell Annie, like, we just have to be honest with Parker about everything that we have going on so that yeah. we can raise him in love and things like that. And like a lot of people have opinions on like how Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Union allowed their children to grow up, right? Yeah. They have a child that I think they're completely, he, he completely switched sex to a woman or maybe the other way around. I can't remember. He's, I think but, he's in process of transitioning to uh, from yeah, a boy to, to, a woman. to a woman. Um, And I think a lot of questions of, you know, that came up for me with that is just like, wow, you must really feel loved and open at home to be able to have those type of communications and things like that. And I walked away from you with the conversation so confidently because that was my main question is how will Parker feel about us as parents knowing that I, I genuinely like made you in love. Like I wanted you to be here. I wanted to bring you into this earth. I want to let you have a life maybe that I didn't have beyond what I had. I want to love you more than I've ever seen love before in my life. But what would that look like on the reverse end? And as I'm seeing and noticing, because now I follow a lot of same sex couples and stuff like that, the kids are so confident yeah, and so open because they're raised in love yeah so it's kind of like that's the exact kind of thing that i was that was my biggest question and my biggest fear is like oh my god i don't want my child to wake up and be like hey i hate you yeah and not only that we have some amazing male figures around that's you know not parker's father i was about to say shout out to drink because i've gotten so many questions like is drink they baby daddy I'm like, I don't think so. I feel like that's just one of their best friends. But now that we know, y'all heard it first on Heart Being Podcast that that's not their baby daddy. <laughs> well, that's what the, 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 we've been saying that, that that was going to happen before she even got pregnant. I'm like, watch. When you do get pregnant, people going to be like, it's drinking. Yeah, that's no. When partnership come in and when people like, same-sex couples communicate more because people will be so freaked out at the fact that me, Annie, and Drake are best friends and Drake is Annie's ex. Yeah. Um, and it's just communicate. Like, this is my best friend. Yeah. Like, literally, like, my best friend. Like, our agreement to get married is just, you know, we wanted to spend the rest of our lives with each other. We grow together. We learn together. We grow through things together. We become different versions of ourselves together. And first thing people gonna think we already know was just like oh they're gonna think drink is the dad and drink already laughing because we like oh you already know they're gonna think you the dad <laughs> our our son is loved by so many people already yeah we'll have those after having those open conversations he still won't be lacking in a father figure because some people have a father and don't have a father figure, figure. facts <laughs> facts and that's one thing i wanted you guys to know too um when we had the conversation and even anybody out there that's listening like 
I think the most important part is having a stable, happy, healthy environment and your child seeing love. Like, like we said earlier, like me seeing that raised my standard for in the bar for love so high that I had to meet a man that would, would match that in order to settle down. Um, as far as your question, like as far as like if I hated my mom, I never hated my mom for her, for her and being in love with the woman or um, I was upset because I like I said, I felt like my mom I felt like it was so obvious and she was trying to hide it. So for me, it was like you feeding me lies. And to this day, I hate when people lie. I feel like it's insulting my intelligence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So at an early age, I knew what was up and I just wanted, I think that was the only thing my mom could have did differently was to be honest with me earlier. Um, as far as the dad part, as a woman that is straight and when it came to dating, well, first before dating, I did, at, uh, I will be honest, around like middle school, high school, I did resent my father um, because after I, I had found his donor profile and my mom, I used to go through my mama's shit because I used to feel like it's, I know they lying to me. I got to find, it was like, I knew something was missing and I just had to find it. And so I would go through her stuff. Um, and I found, that's how I found my father's profile and going through that. I saw it and I was just like, at first I felt a sense of relief of like, okay, at least I know where I came from. And now this makes sense. But then I was also angry at him because I felt like, well, what type of man would just you know, in my head as a kid, I'm thinking nothing to cup and just keep it moving and never think about me again. Or does he wonder if I, if I'm here or, you know, he doesn't want to know what I became. You know, I had those type of, uh, that type of resentment towards him, but now, and, and that's as a kid, because again, nobody had the conversation with me like, Hey, he did us a favor, you know, or it was a blessing. But I feel like had I had that, had my mom had that conversation, I probably would have skipped that space altogether. But, um, Oh, as I got older, I realized like it was a blessing. I'm so grateful because I love how I look. I love my height. I love all these things about me. And I probably would have been the same personality type regardless of who he was. Cause I was, you know, you get it from like your environment and who you raised around. But I'm so grateful that there are people out there that are doing that because it gives everybody like you and my mom, you know, the blessing of bringing life into the world. But as dating, I will say I blamed so much of my bad decision making and my trials and, and tribulations with dating on not having a father. I used to feel like if I had a dad that could tell me how to deal with these niggas, then you know what I'm saying? If I had a dad to, I would know better. Or if I had seen, I blamed, I, I will say now that I think about it, I did kind of blame my mom. Like if I had have seen a man and a woman relationship, then maybe I will understand how to navigate it. But, and this is earlier on in dating. I, I, cause I used to feel like, well, ma, like you can't give me dating advice cause it's a woman. It's just different. Like girls are different. They don't act like boys. Like your advice or your, the way your relationship is, is kind of null and void because I'm never going to meet a man like that. But as I mature and I realize like, it, a relationship is a relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a, a romantic relationship, you know, and it has basic foundation that it's built on. That's when I realized like, okay, 
Like, it ain't not having a daddy. Because it's a lot of women that ain't got no daddy that's in healthy relationships. You know? So, it's just our perception, I think. But, like you said, having those conversations earlier on will help Parker and your future other children understand everything and wrap their head around it. Annie, did you ever feel like because Seven was caring that she might have more of a connection or attachment to the baby than versus you? Um... No, I will answer the connection uh, question first. So I never really thought that because, the, I mean, we're both going to be raising the child. You know what I mean? Like the children. It's that's just is what it is. We're you both gonna manifest. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> children. I'm gonna make sure y'all know we're not just talking about Parker, but nah. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I um never. Yeah, I never really felt like you know now. Um, an attachment, definitely, because I'm not the person who can't sleep at night. I'm not the person who, you know, is having a baby kick in their stomach every three seconds. Yeah. I'm not the person who uh, was sleeping their first trimester because there was a baby, you know, um, be, being made inside of their cell, like be, growing inside of their belly. So definitely the attachment um, part. But at the same time, as the pregnancy has gone on, I feel like I might be more attached. Like, literally, because I'm I'm attached to her. Yeah. And now it's like you're carrying my child inside of you. So now I'm attached to the both of y'all. Um, so I never really felt like there was like a, a more, so to say. I feel like we're both very, very attached um, and both very going to be very connected to yeah I think so too and I'll tell you too like my my Nana who was my mom's partner at the time that they went through I growing up earlier on I was so much more attached to my Nana than my actual biological mom and it might be because of her personality type she's much more nurturing my mom again was more masculine and more of like the authoritative figure so I felt like you just mean and you know how you but I was way more attached to my nana as a child my mom they would argue she like you're you spoil her you know and they would get into those type of things like a regular couple but I don't think it, it will interfere like you said it just comes down to the love you are attached to whoever love you um as a kid you know from my standpoint it was like okay my nana was there and I still have so much of her personality um because she taught me a lot early on like I'm great with money because of her you know and so many things that she taught me so I definitely like if you ever had that thought which you did it I just wanted to dispel that like is she gonna Parker and the rest of y'all kids gonna love both of y'all because y'all the ones the rest of them but Parker now <laughs> Um, for people that don't know, most of the time they say that the baby responds to the mother, right? Like the mother's hand and stuff like that. Annie wakes up at 6 a.m. and goes to the gym. And when she wakes up in the morning, she talks to my stomach and Parker kicks like crazy. And it's still like that's I think that's where like the whole attachment and everything else is like went out the window because he's still so nurtured by her. He knows her voice and if Annie puts her hand on my stomach, it's just like if I put my hand on my stomach and that's just kind of like how attached we are. And I really feel like he's still loved like that from the womb. So it's really not even like a a person thing. Because somebody DM me, they made a fake page twice. Uh -uh. They DM me and said, um, <laughs> Annie needs to sign adoption papers for Parker in case you try and leave her and she has to have rights for the child. Da -da -da. For one, we're legally married. Yeah. Two, that's never aren't we don't even think like that. But also it's still just kind of like 
some people go into it with stinking thinking. Like they go into it where it's just like, this is my baby and I'm carrying a baby and this is my, and everything with Parker has always been our, whatever, before we didn't know it was just our baby and now it's just like our son. So I think it also depends a lot on the mother of like the person that's caring on how you decide to handle your partner on if they go through those type of issues because women can be toxic. Yeah. Whether you're pregnant with somebody that's a male or if you're, you know, doing a female type of thing, women can be toxic as hell. And, you know, they start the whole, my baby, this, that, and the third, you don't know, you, you don't dirty like this, you know? Yeah. And that's when people be like the attachment because you're giving, you're taking that away from them. Yeah. Like you're automatically stripping them of that role that they play in life because you're bringing your personal issues or your emotions or whatever else into taking that away from that person to then they start experiencing attachment issues right. or feeling like the baby isn't theirs because of how you're handling them. Yeah, I, I think it has a lot to do with the relationship in general. Just like our relationship in general, it's not, it's, this ain't that. So it's not like, you know, we would ever have that. And I feel like I also um, want to mention that Seven has made me feel like I am the pregnant one <laughs> um, in any way that she can. You know what I mean? Like she's made me feel very, very included. So I can only imagine how it's going to be when Parker is actually born and when he's five years old and when he's 10 years old. Like I know that that's never going to change. And I know that has a lot to do with just our relationship in general. Yeah. And even my, my Nana to this day is so such a huge part of my of my life. Even with them separating, because it wasn't a legal divorce, but separating when I was in middle school, she still to this day has been a part. She's still tattooed on my wrist. You can't really see it, but I call her all the time. And if I go two, three days, she be like, I, I got a text the other day. She was like, really? My child? That three days? I ain't heard from, you know? So it doesn't really matter whether... Um, I know you guys are going to be together forever, but once that relationship is established, I feel like can't nothing break that. You know what I'm saying? So I definitely know you guys don't have anything to worry with there. I do have a question though. A couple more questions. We're about to end up, uh, wrap up, but would you guys be upset if Parker or any of your other future kids came out to you as gay? No, never. <laughs> I asked that because my mom used to like when I was in my twenties and I was struggling with dating and just hitting. I used to be like, oh, I would tell my mom like, I just wish I was gay. I feel like this shit would be just easier. And she used to be like, not shunning me away from it. She'd be, she just used to be like, stop saying that. Like that doesn't make it true. Like you're gonna find your person. I think she was more so reassuring me that you will find love no matter what. But at one point I was like, wait, would you be mad if I was gay? She was like, no, nah, I just don't feel like, like, don't be saying that. And you, you know what I'm saying? Don't just use it as like a scapegoat. Like, okay, well, dating a woman is easier because it's not. Relationships are hard, you know, right. either way. Um, what's something to end off? What's something that you want? You know, Parker is on the way any day now. I'm so happy Parker waited for this interview. Um, cause I was like, no, Stephen's going to give birth and she's not going to be able to do it for weeks. <laughs> but I'm excited. Parker, you, you held in there. You got an honorary TT in me forever, girl. I mean, boy, but you know, um, and the rest of your kids, I'm their TT brief for life. But what's something that you want Parker to know, um, and or and or the future kids to know about this process and about your love and the intent, intent um that you have on raising them together it like a letter to parker right now if you could 
Oh, that's deep. Um, I think that just to keep it kind of like brief, um, I would want all of the children to know that they have parents that would go in miles and miles and miles to make sure that they were here. Um, and that's number one, to get them here and to make them feel loved. Um, mm-hmm. Whether that is reading 15,000 books rather that is doing research for hours, rather that is whatever it is that we had to do to make sure that they were good, we were going to do. If that's asking a random brie in the middle of a smoothie bar question (laughs) about, you know what I mean, about just how we can be better parents, how we can be better people for them. Like, no matter what it is, we would make sure that we did what we had to do to make sure that they were good. Um, And not just, like, emotionally, but financially, physically, mentally, um, spiritually, all aspects of life, we're going above and beyond and then above again to make sure that they're good in all aspects of life. And I'll let you answer, baby, but I think that that's pretty much just wrapped up um, how in my now, right, in my current and today, um, how I would want or what I would want them to know. I definitely think like right about the same. um, I think a lot of kids women, men, families lack in love. And it can alter a lot in your life. And it can alter how you look at people. It alters how you treat people. It alters how you handle situations. It alters how you interact and love. It alters the love that you accept um, is the love that you get starting at home. Um, so I will always want any of our children or any children that just may end up watching this because somebody gonna watch it and they're gonna be scared to come out to their parents and they're going to be looking for a successful couple to say this is what happened is that, you know, as long as you're raised in love, then it's just kind of like that's all necessarily that all, all that matters, because I really do feel like the world lacks in a lot of love, because if you're raised at home and you're raised in love, then you, you handle life differently. Like my sister grew up, she had lupus and that's a immune disease, but it caused her to have a rash on her face. Um, so when we went out, it's, it's kids that was raised that wasn't raised in love that made her want to drop out of school because they would make fun of her. And I feel like if you're at home, if you're loved, you don't do stuff like that because you understand that everybody is raised different. Somebody may look different from you, but you can't do that. You never know what they're growing through. You never know what they're suffering through. And you have to be that person that accepts them no matter what. Um, so I think that's the biggest letter that I would want to put out to Parker or to any kids in general is just to, you know, just to not only just to love on people, but to love on yourself. So we want to make sure that our kids are always loved. And that's why people ask, like, how are we so strong? How is our relationship is so strong? Because the love starts here at home. So before we go out, anything that anybody else says is extra. I, I like me first. I love me first. And then right. I, I roll over to somebody that loves me and tell me how much they love me. And we have love in our home and our dog is right here sleep on the couch because we have, she's bad, but we don't judge her any different. People come over like, how y'all deal with that dog? And it's because we love her. Right. <laughs> um, so that would be our letter to me, to our kids is just, you know, understanding that you'll always be loved and you'll always have a place to come home. And this is your safe space and you'll be able to be open. You'll be able to bring other kids around that feel safe here with, you know, with us as a family, because being raised in love can change your whole life. Yeah. And that's probably why you so open about every single thing, you know, and you have so many hats that you wear, Bree, is because you were, like you said, you were raised at home in a loving family. And that's just what we want for everybody around us, for our home to always be a place of love. 
Mm, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, before we go, you guys want to shout out, um, other than Parker on the way, anything else y'all got on the way y'all want to share, shout out, um, and share with the community. Baby. Not a show um, <laughs> I was like, what? Right. <laughs> oh, I cracked myself up. Um, we recently just opened up another smoothie bar. Smoothie bar, our Herbalife products, of course. Um, mm -hmm. Embrace Nutrition, which is in Snellville, Georgia. And that is our mother. Well, I'm saying our mother because it's my mother, her mother-in-law. Um, we just helped her open up one, basically. So that just, we're one month in over there. Mm -hmm. So that's booming. That's good. It's just another way for us to impact the community. Um, helping people get happier and healthier is like one of our biggest missions. Okay. We also have been brainstorming some things um, for our next business venture. So right now we have the Herbalife business. We also have Parker by Peyton, which is um, the name of our first two children. Like she said, we went out on faith um, and created that and, you know, manifesting that we're going to have these two kids. And so our third thing that we have going on, we're also going to name after um the next child because of course we are manifesting this really well i'm definitely manifesting this really big family um so that's what's going on right now we just are working on just honestly being the best people that we can be adding as much value that we can add to our communities to because we have grown a really big social media platform over the past i'll say year um our social media platform has grown maybe like double yeah. Or more. Okay. Uh, so we just want to make sure that we are using that in the best way that we possibly can as far as like not just posting, but actually showing up to social media and in person every single day with the intention to help other people um, through the things that we're that we go through, you know, being genuinely ourselves going on there looking crazy and just finding new ways to help people every single day. I think that's pretty much sums up what we got going on. While of course making sure that we are um, taking care of ourselves first. Awesome. Interviews with no makeup. I think that the the thing that <laughs> the thing that we have the bigger another big thing that we have outside of baby's project that is coming very soon. Okay. Um, which uh, y'all just look out for that. I'm so excited for something that she wanted for a very long time. It's gonna be exciting. Um, but uh, just showing women uh, in general that you can have it all like yeah. that's kind of like what the ultimate goal is right now is just because people have been telling us y'all so young y'all like about to be over and wait till, <laughs> wait, wait till that baby come and da, 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 da. so we're excited to be able to you know be the example to others that you can have children you can travel you can be successful entrepreneurs you can still have a the body that you want after you have a baby and you can do anything that you put your mind to and that kids don't ruin your life, but it's just another chance for you to bring love into the world. Another opportunity for you to be able to show that women can do whatever the hell they put their mind to. So that was what my next goal is because everybody's like, I think Parker is like, I'm not, I'm going to just, you know, hats off. Parker is the most awaited baby of 2020. Period. It, it, he is. Parker, Parker is the most awaited baby. And that's because we share so much of our story with other people. Um, so they, he has so many cyber aunties, uncles, everything else. Um, so just being able to show people that once Parker is here, Life goes on. Life goes on. The it gets better. Stop, yeah. It gets better. It gets more beautiful. It gets with other things so we're excited to show people how we get to now 
happily, and I say happily because some people don't want to be parents, how we get to now happily do this parent thing. Yeah, I'm excited to watch y'all journey and everything unfolds and new projects. And if you are in the Atlanta area, go check out Peach Drop and Embrace Nutrition because I'll be up in there like six days a week, okay? <laughs> And I'll be calling like, hey, y'all, they be like, Brie, what you want? <laughs> like, yeah, so that's my spot, y'all. Try them out. Um, make sure y'all follow them. Tell them y'all at names again and um, your YouTube. Yeah, so my Instagram is hardbodyprincess. Seven's Instagram is Seven the Stylist. And then we also have a YouTube that we've been um, pretty much uh, growing this year, just making sure, like I said, another platform to add value on. And that is Being the Buffins. Um, and I think that's all of our yeah. Parker by Peyton is our athleisure line. Oh yeah, Parker by Peyton. Um, of course, you can just parkerbypeyton.com or yep. in, in the Instagram is at parkerbypeyton. All right. And then the nutrition clubs are Peach Drop Nutrition and Embrace Nutrition um, for Instagram. Yep. I love it, y'all. Go follow them. Support everything they got going on. And we, of course, y'all gonna be some new aunties and uncles, but y'all gotta get live because I'm first. Okay. <laughs> So, but I appreciate y'all for sitting down. Thank you so much for sharing your energy, your experience, your knowledge, you know what I'm saying? And being open and vulnerable with me on this platform. I'm excited to release this to our community of the Higher Being Society because we're just people who want to learn and grow together on this journey and evolve into our best versions of ourselves. So make sure you guys are following Higher Being Society on all platforms, on Instagram and YouTube. And stay tuned. Follow them and thanks for tuning in to this episode.